The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. It's my birthday week, so I'm being nice to myself. I thought I'd throw a party. And in advance of the party, I'm going to go speed dating. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the L Dude Brothers podcast, episode 20, Quant Talking. My name is Sean, and I didn't accidentally propose to my wife. And my name's Laura, and I may have accidentally been proposed to. The jury's still out on that one. How are you doing? How are you doing today, Laura? Yeah, not too bad. I've got a cold, which is a bit depressing. It sort of heralds the start of winter, I think. I think That's... this is how things are going to be now. How about you? Uh, my allergies are going uh, 100 miles an hour, so we're. I'm sure we're both going to sound fucking impressive on this <laughs> Yeah, <episode. laughs> I sound like I've got a peg on my nose, so, yeah. I've got one of those breathe right strips, and that's the only reason you don't hear me, like, <laughs> mouth breathing like a crazy person. Uh. Um, so, yeah, I guess last week was kind of a big week in the Mitchell and the world of Mitchell and Webb. We had episode one of Back. I know yes. we're going to be, I know we're going to be recording it a little bit more in depth next week with our first Back cast, uh, but just kind of your quick like 30 second to a minute analysis what did you think yeah i really liked it i thought um i thought it was a good idea for a story line anyway and then i was very intrigued to see if the actors would do the whole mark and jess thing which to a certain extent they did they're not playing completely against the type that they're used to i don't think but i'm very intrigued by robert webb's character who is clearly a psychopath and i want to know more about him and there were some really great lines. What did you think? I Yeah, I was kind of right with you there where I thought it was good. But then I also am very intrigued on Robert Webb's character. Um, I thought I thought Stephen David Mitchell's character was pretty close to... Um, uh, I thought David Mitchell's character was pretty close to Mark. Like you said. He was Mark with a beard, wasn't he, yeah. really? Like, a kind of more cynical, slightly more cynical Mark because he'd been through more life experience, but essentially he was just Mark with a beard. Yeah, but I also liked that Stephen is a little more... I feel like Stephen has a little more confidence than what Mark does. He's a more rounded human being, I think it would be fair yeah. to say. He's he's lived a life, hasn't he? Yeah, and he's a little bit more... He's a little bit more in contact with other people, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I enjoyed yeah. it. I can't. I can't wait to talk more about it next week, and I can't wait to see this week's episode as well. So yeah, I'm really interested. I'm really interested to see this week's episode because I think kind of since it's only a six episode season, I think it's going to be very. I think we're going to start really seeing how the plot is going to be developing, starting with this episode. Yeah, definitely. And I really enjoyed live tweeting it as well. Thanks to everyone that got involved uh, with me live tweeting. I'll be doing that again on Wednesday. Yeah, I was I was sitting at work watching your tweets, and then I was super jealous about it. <laughs> uh, it was great. It was a great tweet along. Yeah. Yeah, um, I watched BoJack Horseman se- season four over the weekend. It was. Oh yeah, you've we started watching season one. We've watched three episodes, so I am quite enjoying it. But I'm interested to see what you've got to say about series four. Well, what did you? What have you thought of the three episodes you've watched so far? Uh, you were right that, like the first episode and maybe the first bit of the second episode, I was like, 
what the fuck is this? This is really odd. But I feel like it's sort of gone into its stride now. I'm, I want to watch the fourth episode rather than thinking, I'll push through this to see where this is going. I thought season four was just fantastic. It was emotional. Oh, God. I actually, right after I was done watching season four, probably five minutes after I was done watching it, I just came into came into my room. Um, I just recorded like about 15 minutes of myself just kind of talking about the season. And um, I'm just going to kind of tack that on to the end of this episode. Oh, cool. I look forward to, to listening to that. Yeah. How has uh, People Just Do Nothing Season 4 been going? Really good. Um, So we this week, the fourth episode was released onto iPlayer. And I'd been enjoying it. There have been some really funny moments, but this fourth episode was really where I think it was like it's it's gone up a gear. It was hilarious. Um, the premise uh, of it is is that uh, Chibuddy G has got a job in a electrical store, like a blend, and he is not being allowed to uh, actually sell the electricals yet. He's being trained in the stock room. But he's trying to to work in a background like he would work in a market. So he's trying to do deals with everyone. And it is fucking hilarious. It was not, it was like non-stop laughter. It was just line after line. Um, And I'm really looking forward to the final two episodes in the season now. Yeah, I've I've watched the first, I believe, three episodes of of the series. And it's been really good. I've been enjoying it quite a bit. It's awesome how... It's awesome how Chibuti G is like one of my favorite characters, but he's just that actor that plays him. Yeah, is I love that he just is so full on. Like, <laughs> yeah, he he's just brilliant. commits. He really yeah. does. He really embodies that part. Yeah, it's almost weird. It's it's almost like I can't even see. Um, it it's almost like I can't even see him playing. Uh, any other type of character like no, i just no, feel like that this mean. is the person that he is the not that i'm saying thing... like he's a sleazy not that i'm <laughs> saying he's sleazy or anything like that but that he just is able to play that character so yeah. well yeah yeah of course the weirdest thing for for us as brits watching it or for me and, and my husband as brits watching it is that uh beats who's one of the writers hugo chegwin he is the nephew of Keith Chegwin, who I'm sure means nothing to you, but he's like a like a light entertainer over here. He did like children's TV in the '80s, and he's kind of like a an all round uh, Saturday night entertainer. And it's really odd that you can see they're related; like they even look a bit alike. But it's so odd to think that he's his uncle. Oh, so he's his uncle? Yeah. So he's the nephew of Keith Chegwin. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You don't. Did you ever watch extras? I don't think you did. Did you? Mm, that doesn't sound like something I've watched before. No. So this is a Ricky Gervais thing that came after The Office. Keith Chegwin's in that for a bit. So. Oh okay. I was trying to see if you'd ever seen. There's no other way you would have seen Keith Chegwin other than that. <laughs> no, like uh, I think as has been established, I am not really a huge Office fan. No, no. Um, but yeah. Oh, uh, well, that's cool. I'm. Hopefully, I'm going to try to get caught up on people just do nothing this weekend, and then or this yeah, week definitely sometime. do. It will make you laugh. Yeah, yeah. And then you said next week episode. Next week's episode is called what? Hens and stags. Yes, stags and hens, um, and seems to be following some sort of stag party. So I'm looking forward to this that one. That looks like it's got potential to be very funny. 
I'm sure Grinder's gonna have such an amazing stag party. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can 100% imagine what it's gonna be like. Uh, so yeah, look forward to it. Oh, by the way, can we just say that the funniest part for me so far was when Mish and her daughter went to the photographer. Oh yeah, when they were doing the modeling in Vancouver's. When she was what 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 was it fucking called schmizing? Uh, schmoozing. No, 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 where she was smiling with her eyes. Oh, yeah, she was smiling, yeah. And when she was trying to get the photographer to give her the um the shoot for free, that was just, uh, had me in hysterics. Yeah. Yeah, I was really, really laughing so hard. This week's episode, uh, we see a bit more of me as a pushy mum, actually. She, um, she bursts into a school play audition when Angel's singing Amazing Grace, which is very funny. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so we've got a uh, we've got our series three finale. Quan talking. What did you? What did you? Uh, well, I guess we'll get into what we think of the episode later. But um, I this is one of my favorite episodes of this series because it's just it's very funny. Yeah, I, I agree. I went into this episode thinking, oh yeah, I remember thinking this was very good. Let's see if I still think it's very good when I scrutinize it. But I did, for the most part. Uh, I looked up where this was filmed, and this was actually filmed in Chalfont. I'm sure I'm probably saying this wrong, and all our British listeners are going to laugh at me. But it looks like it was filmed in Chalfont, St. Giles, Buckinghamshire. I don't know how Chalfont should be pronounced. I'm going to guess you're right there, but it's Giles, St. Giles, in Buckinghamshire. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And the hotel that every... So all the outdoor stuff was filmed there, and the hotel stuff was filmed at a hotel called the Taplow House, or the Taplow House. And it's actually still open, believe it or not, so I... Oh, is it? Yeah. It looks beautiful. Yeah, I've told my wife that when we come to England, we're going to spend a night there, and I'm going to request <laughs> the Super Hands Jeremy room. <laughs> it, um, I bet they do a great trade in weddings. It looks like the sort of place that people would love to have a wedding. It is very, very fucking expensive hotel. I bet it is. I bet it's very expensive. Um, just, it's beautiful around there. All the Buckinghamshire is lovely. How how much do you think their basic room a night is? Oh, um. So does it just sleep two people? Yeah, yeah. Is it like a room or a suite? Is this just a room that's got a bathroom a, and stuff? Yeah, it's just uh, a room. I'm gonna say. Four hundred and fifty pounds a night. Oh, you you shot high. You shot high. Two hundred and twenty pounds a night. Oh, okay. That's. I mean, that's. Not, I'm not paying. I wouldn't pay that. I stay in Premier Inn, but uh, it's not <laughs> terrible for for a special occasion. I would probably pay that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's what I'm going to tell my wife too. I'm just going to be like, look, mm. we can only sleep in the Jeremy Superhands room once in our lifetime. <laughs> this is going to be the night. It's going to smell like puke and shit, but we're going to stay in this <laughs> So, um, the, it doesn't actually kick off in, uh, in Buckinghamshire, which is meant to be uh, Somerset, does it? It kicks off in the pub. Yep. Uh, Mark and Jeremy are playing darts, was what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, darts. This is not something you really see in a lot of American bars, although people do fancy themselves dart players here. Yeah, to be honest, you don't really see it in a lot of British bars either. This is clearly an old man pub. I've written in my notes, who's all playing darts other than fat old northerners? 
Um, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing Mark and Jeremy would be playing, but okay, they're playing a game of arrows. Yeah. Uh, Mark kind of leads with some big news that he's going to propose to Sophie, and Jeremy looks a little, uh, looks not really that thrilled about that idea. Um, he says, what's this going to mean for me? Where am I going to live? I don't even know what lottery numbers will play. I'll have to do lucky dips, and I'll never win on lucky dips. What are lucky dips? So uh, our lottery, the way it works, is you pick six numbers, which is probably the way any lottery works that you that you have in. I think you have state lotteries, don't you? But um, mm-hmm. in, if if you can't be bothered to pick your numbers, or you think, or you know, I'll just do a lucky dip. So on the machine where they print your lottery ticket, they press a button that says lucky dip, and they just give you six random numbers. Oh, okay, yeah, we do that here too. We just call yeah, them randomly yeah. generated so, numbers, like a normal Right, person. okay, that, that kind of makes more sense. Um, I've written in my notes, I don't think Mark would play the lottery. I don't... Th- you know, I'm always... It's always interesting when you hear little character traits like Mark complaining about his iPod or Mark playing the lottery, because you never see this in the show. No, I, I imagine Mark would be the sort of person that would say the lottery was like a tax on idiots. I just can't imagine him playing it, so interesting to hear that they do the lottery together in the flat i could i could maybe see mark and you know kind of doing it as you know just kind of a fun thing for him and jeremy he probably grumbles about spending i don't know i don't know how much how many how much is it per line uh back then it was a pound yeah i could see mark grumbling about having to spend like five pounds or something I also bet that Jeremy always tells him he's going to contribute to the ticket, but then never does. Never does, yeah. But then if they won, he'd want the winnings, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeremy asks Mark why he's proposing. And Mark, and this, I found this scene very funny. Mark just tells him that things aren't going very well with their relationship, so he thinks that they need to propose. Jeremy seems really confused by this, but then Jeremy is also the person who just last episode told Mark to lead with I love you. That's true, but then Jeremy doesn't put stock on I love you, does he, that um, a normal person would. But I've written this in my notes, and I'm going to be saying this a lot during this episode, but I don't fucking believe in any of this. Why would Mark propose to Sophie? They've never lived together. Last episode, it's become clear to us that he's never even told her that he loves her. Why would he propose? I just just really don't believe in it. No, I, I agree with you, actually. It, it's funny. Did you read any of the script book about this episode? So, um, I know that this was not how they intended it to originally um, end the series, but right. I, I've, I haven't read it recently, so I can't remember all the details. What, what so did they say a... about it? Well, there's a really interesting part, let me see if I can find it real quick, where they're doing an actual, they send an outline for this episode, which was originally called Mountaineering, and the first, the first line says, hello, here are my episode six notes and thoughts, again, apologize if they seem blunt. First thought was marrying Mark Mark marrying Sophie was a bit mental, but now I'm not sure. I may well be moving in with X, clearly a terrible idea in a desperate attempt to try to make everything okay and stable. I did a similar thing with Y, and that worked pretty well. So if you need lines of reasoning, I can do that. So 
Um, okay. Your your thought. You were not alone in that thought. Okay, good. I'm glad because I remember even at the time when this aired, thinking, but they've never lived together. Like it'd make. I know it's not as dramatic a plot point for a TV show, but it would make much more sense if Mark was wondering whether that she should ask her to move in or something like that, rather than get married. Yeah, considering that the moving in together becomes a major plot point with Dobby, you're, exactly. you're kind of right, did it? Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know anybody. No, sorry. I know one couple who didn't live together before they got married and they were Christians. So I think that it's, it would be much more likely that he would be pontificating about letting her move in. Mm-hmm. It, but, you know, I almost can kind of empathize with this because my long distance relationship that I talked about last week when things kind of started going a little sour between us I did um I did tell her that I th- I think that we should have got or that I did tell her that we should get married so it's Yours not mad uh, mark. <laughs> yeah yeah so maybe it it's more saved, to do with the it long distance it almost saved the relationship so oh, okay. it almost saved there the relationship go. Yeah, I mean, so maybe it's, it's to do with the long-distance thing and the fact that he feels that she's slipping through his fingers, which is what she he goes on to say here, doesn't he? Yeah, he does say that. Yeah. Um. Um. In I'm just looking through my notes that he says that she's they've not been getting on lately. He's slipping through my she's slipping through my fingers, and I'm, so I'm gonna. Oh wait. yes, right, yeah. Um, and then just just says, but why? Which just about sums up the whole situation for me. Yeah. Um, Mark tells her that he is going to take her on a four-star date to Somerset, the Quantox. And Mark tells Jeremy that he's going to do this soon, and it has nothing to do with his make a deal from the Sunday Times <laughs> expiring. He yeah, also- so he's been collecting the vouchers. Yeah, he also stupidly admits to Jeremy that he has enough vouchers for two rooms which you know i would imagine that mark would be smart enough by now that he should realize that when he tells some vital piece of information like that that jeremy's gonna be like oh oh yeah yeah you should take me yeah it it does seem naive on mark's part to think that jez isn't gonna immediately try and take advantage of this um but jez's plan is that he's gonna ask Suze to come along uh, with the uh, mega deal vouchers, and if she says no, he's going to ask hands. But Mark is, is having none of the hands idea. Yeah, and uh, I really like how um, Jeremy's reasoning to Mark that why he should go with them is what happens if she says no? You'll need me there for emotional support, and Mark is just like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, like he's going to provide any emotional support. I know, I know, it's great. Although <laughs> to be fair. To be fair, we really do see Jeremy providing Mark emotional support in this episode. So it's That's not That's true. He does step un- up to the plate a little bit. So, okay, maybe I'm being unfair. Yeah, just a little bit, Laura. Just a little <laughs> bit. So this scene ends then with Mark saying that uh, no way is Superhand's allowed to come to the romantic proposal weekend. And then the next scene opens with Jez clearly having explained to Hans that he is invited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super hand. The first line of the next scene is super hands just going, Weekend in the Quantox? Fuck yeah! <laughs> and they're in a car park, aren't they, in this scene? Yeah, and they're they're loading band equipment into a van. And um, 
you know, Jeremy just tells Superhands, like, okay, you know, you just got to avoid Mark. And then Superhands is like, oh, yeah, don't worry. I'll I'll avoid the Abdominizer. I didn't really get that joke. Okay, so the Abdominizer is a, like, a piece of gym equipment that is often okay. advertised on, like, a, like infomercial channels and daytime TV. And it's supposed to be, like, the lazy man's way of getting a six-pack. Uh, it clearly doesn't work. It's like a like a frame that helps you do sit-ups. Yeah, okay, okay. So I didn't know what an indominizer was. I just didn't get it in the the context Oh, of okay. I, I kind of took that to mean that he was just calling him, like, like a useless piece of equipment, really. That was how I took that joke. Oh. Be interested to see okay, what yeah. anyone else thought. That that was my interpretation. No, that's a good interpretation. Yeah. Um, Hans correctly points out that him and Jeremy operate in a to- totally different time scheme than Mark does. And he says, they'll be hitting the sack while... Or he's, Superhand says, we'll be hitting the sack while he's getting home from... Or, oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> let me start again here. Superhand says, we'll be hitting the sack while he's still getting the morning horn off the FT. I don't know what any of that i mean i obviously i know what hitting the sack means but i don't know what morning horn off the ft means okay so the ft is the financial times and it's the bit it's the bit in the times newspaper that or it might be a separate publication sold on its own actually but published by the same people and it's just like a list of stocks and shares it's a very boring newspaper so i always take this to mean that that mark is going to be getting his jollies from the FT because he's a boring guy whilst they're just going to bed from all their drug taking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Um, Jeremy says that his main goal in the Quantox is to record their demo and then Superhands just cracks open a beer and just hands it right to him and tells him to have a suck off that sauce bottle. Yeah, this made me laugh because have a suck on that sauce bottle is so a part of my general vernacular and we say it so often in our house that I'd even forgotten it was Peep Show, let alone that it came from this episode, but we say it all the time. Yeah, do you give, like, Sadie and Esther uh, bottles and tell them to have a suck off that sauce bottle? All the time, like, probably three times a day I say that, at the very least. Like, it is just a, it is just a fact phrase in our house that is said so often that... I maybe need to stop saying it now I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but Han says here, doesn't uh, he, that he's off the he's off the drugs and he's kicking everything. Yep. Uh, doctor's orders. Yep. I really want to know more about that. I want to know what's wrong with Hans that the doctor's told him he needs to kick everything from the PCP to the lattes. Yeah, he's going straight edge. <laughs> and then they have a very funny they have a very funny scene here that I just kind of wanted to interject because I love the I love this conversation that the two have here. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love crack, yeah. <laughs> Again, this is something that's, that we say very often amongst ourselves. Uh, it's just brilliant. It's, it is peak super hands, this scene, I think. Oh, yeah. I... This is a very funny part, and this is where this was the episode where my love of super hands really like blossomed from a a man crush to full on love. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about this scene was when Jeremy mentions previously that Big Suze will be playing the Peter's Friends drinking game. Did you get that? Did you get Peter's Friends over there? I don't think we did. So it was a British film about some posh people, which you probably gathered. 
but it had Stephen Fry in it and it was like quite a big deal at the time but it always makes me laugh but I just I thought you probably I suspected that film probably didn't make it over there nope it did not make it over here um, but really no. it's quite funny it's worth a watch what I really want to know is who are Otto or Hugo Otto Rosal and Nozzle well, Hugo and Otto are definitely men's names. Rosal and Nozzle, I just assume, are Jeremy taking the piss out of posh people with <laughs> stupid names. Probably. Uh, but I've never met a Hugo or an Otto. I don't I don't mix in those circles. Yeah, I don't think I've ever met a Hugo either. Although, although no. at my normal job, I do hear some people with some really, really interesting names. So... I mean, I teach a lot of kids with interesting names, but they're interested more on the side of, like, funny spellings of normal names rather than Hugo and Otto. <laughs> you don't, but you don't have any little Rosals or little Nozzles? No, but there is a Chili in a class that someone I know is teaching currently. So there you go. Chili is now a name. Yeah. Well, you know, TLC. Come on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so the next scene then is in the Quantox, isn't it? Yep. And we have Mark and Sophie in the Quantox, and they're, you can already tell that the weekend is not going swimmingly so far. No. No, they're walking down a very quaint looking little country street. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and Mark and, Jer- uh, Mark and Sophie, sorry, are talking about where they should eat. This scene had me rolling because I'm sure as a married person, this is a conversation that is quite familiar with conversations you've probably had with Phil, because I know that these are, this is very similar to conversations I've had with my wife before. Yeah, this is um, certainly, I mean, me and Phil have had these conversations, but certainly I had a boyfriend who, me and Phil are quite good at making decisions between us, but I had a boyfriend before who we weren't so good at making decisions and we could have spent hours saying no you decide oh i don't know you decide and frequently did so yes very familiar to me yeah uh as they're walking through this little street mark mentions that oh i had reservations but they got lost um you know there sophie wants to be cool and she wants to go eat at places that nobody eats at and mark says there's a reason that nobody eats there the food is overpriced and the service is shit (laughs) Um, yeah, she suggests going to the place with the weird menus and Mark's like, well, I didn't think you wanted to eat there because you made a face. And she's like, what face did I make? And Mark just realizes that he can't win. Um, no, he says that he thinks in his head, doesn't he? Um, no, I don't know what your inexpressible criteria are. And that seems to be the case here is that Sophie clearly has an idea of where she wants to eat, but she's not articulating it. No, and uh, Mark Mark tells himself internally that he wants to avoid fighting because he doesn't want a rotten atmosphere for the big proposal. <laughs> yeah, um, and then Sophie takes his guides and posts them <laughs> in a post box. I love this, yeah. Mark's got his guidebooks out and he's trying to decide where they're going to eat and then Sophie's just like, fuck your guidebooks and she just grabs them out of Mark's hand and throws them in the post bin. And then he says something... Yeah, and he says... Yeah, go on, sorry. Oh, uh, he says something like, uh, what is it? Oh, that's so very quaint in French or something like that. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I, I suppose I'm supposed to, he says something like, I suppose I'm supposed to think that's charming and French, when actually it's just a waste of eight ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Um, I have to say that a younger Laura probably would have posted someone's guidebook in a post box. This did remind me of some of the behaviour that I displayed as a younger, more intense woman, certainly in um, in the relationship I was in where we couldn't ever decide where to eat. Uh, we I used to do some crazy shit and I probably would have posted his guidebooks. <laughs> um, yeah, it's this scene is really funny because it's just... If you ever wondered anything about Mark's character you could probably just watch this scene and it would just speak volumes especially because yeah yeah, you'd work it out yeah especially just because of how funny his interactions are with sophie in this scene yeah um and then she says they could go back he says no push on to moscow yeah. <laughs> don't go back yeah push on to <laughs> and moscow. they decide and then they decide to um eat Oh, do they decide where to eat, or does the scene just fit? They just decide to go into the first place nearby. I don't think they actually ever. I don't think it actually ever gets. No, involved. I don't. I don't think it comes to a conclusion. No, I think we just leave them still yep. not knowing where to eat. Yeah. Okay, so then we have our next scene in the hotel. In the hotel. In the hotel. Room. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and it's Jez and Hans, and Hans is tied up. It's really creepy how he's tied up to the bed. He's like tied up spread eagle. It looks like something out of like a S&M porno film. Yeah, I've written, why has Jez tied up hands? Pr- presumably hands wanted to be tied up, but it's a bit strange. And like you say, he's totally spread eagle and all his limbs are tied to the bed, which is a bit weird. Yeah, it couldn't, it couldn't have been comfortable. I actually sent Matt King a message asking him what this was like to film, but he did not get back with me, so... Okay. I imagine it wasn't nice to film because he looks proper tied down. Yeah, he also looks really, really, like, uh, uh, just like the episode where Mark was sick, Super Hands looks really sick in this episode. Yeah, he looks unwell. They clearly had a really good makeup artist. Yeah. Uh, Super Hands begs Jeremy for a sip of beer or a toke or a line of coke, and Jeremy refuses, and he is getting, but Hands is getting more insistent here. Um I thought Jeremy was being a very good friend in this scene. Yeah, he was he was doing the right thing. Yeah. Um I like when Superhands is just calls him a stingy bastard and he's like, You're fat and stupid and <laughs> um it, Jeremy tells Hands not to be nasty. Um as he's telling him this, Jeremy's phone starts to ring and I love this line that Superhands has where he's like I'll stop being nasty to you when you let me have a bit of fun, you yogurt cock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yogurt cock is that oddest, oddest insult ever, potentially, but it hits the spot. Yep, and uh, Jeremy like stuffs, then stuffs like a scarf or something in Superhands' mouth, and he begins to talk to Big Sue's on the phone, and it, you can tell from Jeremy's side of the conversation that Big Sue's was not really having fun playing Peter's friends with hugo otto <laughs> rosal and nozzle no whatever she's done has clearly fallen through um, and she's gonna come up to the pontox yeah have we ever noticed jeremy ending his conversations cool cool coolio yeah he he does that a lot and he does he always ends his conversations with repeating like bye 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 bye, bye, bye and today he does cool cool coolio which is is very funny oh okay i for some reason i never noticed that i'll have to pay attention to that more yeah, he always ends his conversations in a kind of like, but that's a very British thing, I think. A lot of, I do it, a lot of people I know do it by that kind of, but, 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 it's, yeah, it's, I think it's a British thing. Um, 
as Jeremy turns around, he sees Jeremy, or excuse me, as Jeremy ends his conversation, he turns around and he sees Super Hands with a a, a rolling paper between his toes, <laughs> and he's like, yeah. he's like, Super Hands, are you trying to roll a joint with your toes? Because the last time that this happened, you just made a mess everywhere. Yeah, so I like a. It's funny that it's happening, but even it's even funnier that he's already tried to skin up with his toes before and it didn't work. Yeah. Very funny, very funny line. Yeah. Um. So now we get to the Crown Pub, um, the Crown Pub again in Chalet Saint Giles. Giles. Yeah. Um. One thing that I thought was really funny in the scene between Mark and Sophie was how they're both pretending that they really enjoy this restaurant, but it's clear that they both are in hell being at this restaurant. Yeah, it's a really, it's a proper old person's restaurant. Everyone around him is about 60. It doesn't look good, but you're right. They're both trying to pretend it's brilliant. Yeah, they're making small talk and um, Marcus. Mark says that he wants to cry because the big engagement dinner is all fucked up, and um, I had... sums up Mark's feelings in general about the engagement. I think. Yeah, I made mention on here that the silence at the table is pretty deafening, and Mark is panicking because he says that they've skipped twenty years and have become one of those couples, <laughs> and he's just like, "Say something, anything," and then he's just like, "Oh, so what do you think of the chairs? Quite okay, aren't they?" <laughs> And, yeah, and she replies, yes, they're pretty okay chairs, but looks completely underwhelmed by Mark's company. Yeah. Uh, at this point, Jeff, from back, interrupts their conversation, and he asks for a light. And Sophie is just telling him, oh, uh, we don't smoke. <laughs> yeah, she's very polite, tells him that she doesn't smoke, but it's kind of clear immediately that... Uh, Jeff is a bit weird, and his wife is also a bit weird. Uh, in this... Sorry, I... I was making a joke, but in this, he's Ger- Gerard. Yeah, he's Gerard and, Gerald, uh, Gerald, Gerard and Isabel, me. but he yeah. is Uncle Jeff in back. Yeah. Who has the highlight. Let's just be honest. Jeff has the highlight of the episode. Yeah, Jeff is the fun is the, is the funniest thing in the episode, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, kind of at this point, I wanted to talk a little bit about the original Series 3 finale and how different it was. Are you mm-hmm. are you okay with that? Yep, yep. Okay. Go for it. Okay, so basically we kind of talked about it earlier and um the uh the original series 3 finale you had Johnson and Tony were the ones that were getting married. Yep. Nancy and Nancy and Jez were still on somewhat good terms with each other and instead of the Quantox, Mark and Sophie go to Paris and you have a very similar scene in Paris where they're trying to find a restaurant to eat at and Sophie wants to go to kind of the offbeat restaurant and Mark's like, oh, fuck. Um, they end up going to a, a restaurant and they meet Gerard um, and Isabel and they are a pair of French French swingers that invite Mark and Sophie to a party at their place. Uh, Mark and Sophie don't realize they're swingers and... Um, until they get back to their place and then Gerard like walks into the room naked is what it says in the book. And they're like, Oh my God. So yeah, that's the original idea that they had for this finale was vastly different compared to what was actually filmed. Even though the storyline is so different though, and obviously Gerard and Isabel are different people. I kind of feel like the nucleus of Gerard and Isabel is still the same. 
even though it's never said the swingers. Yeah, of course the swingers. Look at them. Like, they're a weird pair who are, who, spoiler alert, but get, uh, they get Sophie to go for a walk with them. Why are they so keen for her to go walking with them? I think that you can still tell they're a bit swingery. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely picked that up too. Um, you definitely feel that they are not a normal uh, couple. Um, Isabel, Ger Gerald's wife, he says, she says, he thinks I had his lighters. Do I look like the kind of person that would, or he thinks that I hide his lighters. Do I look like the kind of person that would do that? And Gerald replies, she also doesn't look like the kind of person that would strangle a cat, but I haven't <laughs> seen Castro in four days. Which I think the way that's delivered is brilliant. The way that the actor delivers the line about Castro is just always makes me laugh. It's the way he's got the the fag languishing in his hand, and he's he's so posh. And the way he says it is just is is a great line. It sounds so fucking sinister. I haven't. Yeah, seen... it really does. Like I, yeah, she strangled Castro. Someone strangled Castro. It may well have been her. That's all I think <laughs> when I hear that line. Yeah. Uh, Mark tells Sophie that if she doesn't want to talk to them, they can go elsewhere. And Sophie's like, no, no, it's nice to talk to a real person. <laughs> yeah, Sophie is a bit of a bitch to him in this scene. Oh, um, although she looks absolutely lovely. I, I make a point of saying that in my notes, is that she looks beautiful. Much more beautiful than we've seen her. And you kind of see that point of that, oh, you can see why Mark was attracted to her. Oh, but she's a really horrible person. Yeah. And then Mark is trying to figure out what's wrong with um gerald and isabella and he's like maybe it's sex booze drugs and yeah he doesn't really yeah, know it's he knows he just knows something's wrong yeah um we get this kind of scene with big Sue's and jeremy walking around the hotel grounds i didn't really think that there was much to this scene other than it's established that big Sue's wants to have sex with jeremy but they can't go back to yes, the hotel and room i was i've made a note of this in my notes of that I know she sort of is a bit sexy towards him in the in Shroomin because she's off her face, but she's a bit sexy towards him again here. And then for the rest of the series, there's never so much of a sniff that she had anything but has complete contempt for Jez. So what changes? Uh, because well, she's quite into him here. Well, I mean, that's he tries to pimp her out to Johnson. Yeah, but even then, she's still not. They're not. They're not in a relationship at that point, are they? They're still he's still kind of being quite desperate to kind of, you're right, of course, that, yeah, that's going to change your opinion. But she's being openly quite sort of flirtatious and quite making it quite clear she wants to have sex with him here. And we never really see that again from her. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. That It establishes that she wants to have sex with Jez and there's nowhere for them to have sex. Um, Jez thinks in his head that maybe they could have sex behind a bush or under a car. <laughs> Um, and Superhands gives them a gives him a ring, and is he says he's got a monkey on his back, doesn't he? He's, he's, oh, he's going yeah, for a I forgot for about a big that. time. Says he's got a monkey on his back. He's getting fucked like King Kong, and uh, Jess says something like, "Yeah, I'll speak to you later." And then he tells Sue's that actually, um, Superhands is back in London reading a classic car mag. Oh, that's right. I did. For I forgot about that part. I forgot yeah. about that part. Um, again, the classic car mag line really makes me laugh because it's a thing Superhands just wouldn't do. Yeah. Um, that also is interesting that she just does not really think it's strange that Superhands is toasting the toasting at the end of the episode. <laughs> no. Um, 
And uh, Susie's in a world of her own, isn't she? I put this in my notes as well, that we don't know what she's talking about because Jeremy's thoughts uh, are louder than what... I rewound it a couple of times to see if I could see what she was saying. But it's quite clear that Susie's talking about herself here. She's quite self-absorbed. She's not going to take too Mm -hmm. much notice of what's going on in Superhands' life. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, Back at the the restaurant, uh, the two couples have kind of pushed their tables together and... Gerald says what I think is an incredibly cruel line where he says, I always thought she could have had kids if she tried harder. Whoa. That is harsh. That's cold. But then Isabel um, comes back with a pretty harsh line herself. I never wanted kids and all I'd, and I'd come down to breakfast and all he'd want to talk about was cervixes and fallopian tubes. So I think, that she's given as good as she's getting here. Like it's quite clear they hate each other, don't they? They're in a, they really don't like each other. They're quite mean to each other. You know, maybe it was because I had just watched. Um, there's a in BoJack Horseman season four. There's a character that has kind of a similar conversation um, when when talking about you know pregnancy and etc. And so maybe I was just hypersensitive to it because I had just watched bojack season four but i just like that line made my screen skin crawl when i heard it i was like yeah. holy shit he's uh, a horror but um mark thinks oh great gynecology <laughs> my favorite topic of conversation with strangers and that really made me laugh what really made me laugh was people smoking indoors in a restaurant yeah like, so weird to think of people smoking indoors although it did bring back some beautiful memories for me and i thought oh it's great when you could smoke indoors but we're all healthier <laughs> as, as a result so uh yeah um sophie talks yeah. about how she thought she was going to be a nurse mother with 12 kids around her skirt when have we ever seen sophie prior to this episode talk about kids yeah never um this is out of the blue isn't it and this is something that becomes a big part of sophie's character uh now from now on but i agree with you that previously we had seen nothing of her desire for children but then i suppose that brings up the kind of theory again that as we're seeing everything from mark's point of view maybe mark wouldn't have seen that that's not something mark would be interested in seeing in her would it right exactly and i think that this just kind of goes back to we we said this i don't know probably four or five episodes ago where Sophie's character is whatever it needs to be to move the plot forward. Yeah, and I think this is just the natural progression of her character into, you know, kind of her drive for the next, I don't know, two, three seasons. Yeah. And also, I've made a point in my notes of saying, and I try not to talk too much about this because this is not what this podcast is about. But from a feminist angle, Sophie is a terrible female character that's been written by two men. And Mark is a terrible misogynist. And the next bit that he says is where he says, uh, Sophie wants to go on a walk with Gerard and Isabel. And Mark uh, makes a point of saying they, they should go back to the room because the apprentice finale is on. And he wants to, obviously he wants to propose to Sophie. But he then goes on to think uh, it, that the uh, proposal is going to be ruined. She's gonna, he's going to end up proposing on the M4 or the M25. And he's in a rage, boils over, and he says, it'll all be her fault. Why won't that stupid bitch let me propose to her? And I thought, Mark, you are a horrible little man. Oh, that that really stuck out with me, too, where I was just like, oh, my God, I do not remember this line at all. No, uh, it was really, it, I, I must have forgotten it as well, because I really thought, not only are you a terrible man, but you're a horrible misogynist, and anyone that gets mixed up with you is, I feel very sorry for them. Yeah, Um 
next scene we have Mark and he's back at the hotel bar and he's drinking and this part really fucking cracks me up because he takes this drink of whiskey and he's just like, oh, oh, that is horrible. Ugh. <laughs> and to be fair, straight whiskey is horrible. He's drinking his horrible whiskey. Yeah. Um, he's having a crisis here because he's worried that he won't have the chance to ask Sophie to marry him and this weekend will all be for naught. Um, he decides that he wants to dial Jeremy because um, he needs somebody to talk to in this crisis. And as he rings Jeremy, he hears Jeremy's phone ringing down in the hotel bar. Yeah, so he goes to follow it, doesn't he? He follows the ring. Yep. And Big Suze is asleep. They're sitting on kind of a couch thing, and Big Suze is asleep on his lap. And Mark asks why they're down in the lobby and not up in the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Sue says that the maid must be finished by now, which really makes me laugh because... It just shows a sort of beautiful side of her naivety. And mm-hmm. Mark's confused by this and sort of says, What, maid? Jez at midnight. And Jez is like, oh, I'll come and talk to you over here. Yeah. And then uh, I always love when Jeremy starts his conversations. Now, don't freak out about this because <laughs> it always, Mark always inevitably ends up freaking out about it. Yeah. You know, it's something that's going to be freak out worthy. Yeah. He says that Superhands is upstairs in the hotel room, but. It's okay, because he's kicking the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll approve of this, because he's actually kicking the drugs. Yeah, I can tell that Mark does not approve of Superhands kicking the drugs on his mega voucher time. No, no, he says you've not amu- abused the mega deal, have you? Like, the people from the Times are going to come and personally uh, talk to Mark about it. Um, before, before Mark can get really indignant, uh, his phone rings and it's Sophie and she's kind of crying because she got separated from Gerald and Isabella and she doesn't know where she is and she's lost and she's scared and she wants and Mark is just like oh I'll come I'll come get you and um and uh, yeah and then he rings off and explains to Jeremy that she went off walking with these two idiots and they've they've lost her and they were drunk on slow gin yeah <laughs> Jeremy says do you know where she is? And Mark says, well, she said she's sort of near a big rock. And um, <laughs> and Jeremy just is like, okay, well, great. That should be simple enough. And then Mark <laughs> says, that's what I was going to say. Then I thought, you know, a bit more comforting and Des Lynam now. And then I can be all Jimmy Carr about it later. Do you know who Des Lynam and Jimmy Carr are? I, I've highlighted in my notes that that might be lost on you. Uh, Jimmy Carr, I believe, is a comedian, right? He is. He is. I've met him. He was horrible to my housemate and called him a wanker. Uh, he he actually seemed like a really funny guy, but my housemate was a wanker, so fair enough. Wait, was Jimmy Carr the one that was doing all the pedophile shit? No. What what pedophile stuff? There was the guy who had the... He had the show... God damn it, what was that fucking show called? Hold on. Jimmy Carr's like a massive tax... Dodger. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking for. of Jimmy Seville or Savile or whatever. Oh, Jimmy name. Savile. <laughs> yeah. No, not not the same person. Okay. Yeah, I just typed Jimmy pedophile shit <laughs> ABC and it came up Jimmy Savile. So. Yeah, yeah. No, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy Carr's a comedian at this point in history. In about and not 2005, a he was no, not a pedophile. He was a very, very famous uh, sort of comedian. He was everywhere at this point. Jimmy Carr was on everything. Yeah, we just want to repeat. There is no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> slander. Jimmy Carr is not a pedo. 
he is an upstanding citizen. We don't want to have the... to get our lawyers involved with this. Yes, Jimmy Carr, I... definitely not a pedophile. Yeah, just the outside of the one time that he was a douche to Laura's roommate. But <laughs> other than that, but he's a fine, upstanding defense, human. But in his defense, my housemate totally deserved it. So again, I'm going to say Jimmy Carr, nothing to feel ashamed about. He's just a, a very good light, light entertainment comedian on Channel 4. Um, now we get to the scene that I am probably going to be seeing in my nightmares for years to come. <laughs> so, if you have noticed up to this point, we haven't mentioned any deleted scenes. This episode ended up having 11 deleted scenes. They are all kind of intermingled with the whole scene where Mark and Jeremy are out in the wilderness. And so, in order to determine what was deleted and what was original... I would watch both scenes. I would have the original on one monitor, the other version on my other monitor. I would sync them up, and I would wait for shit to go crazy, and then I would... Anyways, it took me an hour and a half to get through this scene. Because... <laughs> or, no, I guess not an hour and a half, but like an hour to get through this scene because it was just so... I mean, that's serious commitment to the to the podcast because I just watched it through and noted down lines that weren't in the original scene, so... But how there did you we go. know which um, lines weren't in the original scene? I guess I've just seen it so many times that I knew when they were not in the scene. Yeah, I guess I'm just fucking impressed because I was I had like, the oh. book in front of me, and I had the script book in front of me as well, so I could see when they were Mother saying something that wasn't in fucker. the scene. You could have just Why are that, you so you? smart, Laura? <laughs> Why are you so smart? God damn it. See? Could have saved yourself an hour. Oh my fucking god. Uh, it, that's the work... I am a work dumber not smarter person and work is and laura is definitely a work smarter not harder person so what can i say what can i say yeah but this this scene is um is long anyway isn't it it's quite a long scene and you've identified these 11 bits that are missing from it so you can see why they tightened it up it would have been very very long uh i actually have the original time so pre-edit this scene is almost 12 minutes long. So yeah. in the context of an episode, this scene would have taken up over half of the episode. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. There's a lot There's a lot they cut. Yeah, the cut down version is roughly seven minutes. So they cut right. about four and a half minutes worth of stuff out, which yeah. in a 20, 23 minute or 26 minute episode is quite a bit of stuff. Quite a bit, yeah. But it's Mark and Jeremy on the hills of the Quantocks now. Um, it's a night scene. I read that this was... I can't remember who was being interviewed. It was one of the main... It was one of them. Or it was one of the writers saying this was horrible to shoot. It was like... It was the dead of night. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I I think that was on the... Um, that... Uh, Guardian Live interview they did. Oh, yeah, I think it was. And they said it was really cold as well. Yeah. Um, Jeremy kind of asks Mark why he wanted him to come out in the first place, and Mark tells him that he kind of wants to talk things out, he wants to talk about stuff, and Jeremy is like, stuff, what stuff? You aren't having gay feelings again, are you, Mark? And Mark <laughs> just replies, that was one time. <laughs> I assume that was the time with Alan, um, and when he thought he was in love with him. See, that's what I, I made a note about that, too. I I said, was this the one time with Alan or the time back in college that Mark was talking about just last episode? Oh, yeah. Maybe he has had gay feelings twice then. Or maybe he never told Jez about his gay feelings for Johnson. I, 
from here on out, I'm going to watch Peep Show with the idea that Mark is just a closet homosexual that's just afraid <laughs> to come out of the closet. Yeah, I think there might be something in that, you know. But certainly, I think he's got he's got stronger homosexual feelings than he will admit to. Yeah. Um, at this point, we get our first deleted scene where Mark starts to question if he should get married because it's the sort of thing that people do in books and movies. Jeremy tells him it's fine and he should just get mad on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're mad on her. I, you're mad on her. Just, yeah, you're mad on her. Just marry her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, shortly thereafter, Mark's cell phone rings and it's Sophie. And Sophie's back at the hotel. Yay. This is great. Scene over. <laughs> back at the hotel. Just kidding. Yeah. That would be way too easy. <laughs> um. She's been trying to call Mark and Jeremy, but she hasn't gotten through to him until now. And so they're like, yay, we can go back to the hotel. Let's go back to the hotel. So they start to walk back to the hotel. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I thought was funny here was the lack of cell phone reception in this scene really just kind of fucks everything. But in 2017 modern times, lack of cell phone reception would not be an issue. No, no. It would. Uh... It would be... Hang on, you being sarcastic? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. That I don't think that in 2017, lack of cell phone reception, like so many problems in this episode, would have been solved if their cell phones had had proper reception. Right. Okay. So reception would be better now. So therefore, yeah. Okay, I see that. Um, it's a, it's a plot device that irritates me a little bit because it, it's sort of. It is, it's going a bit too much towards fast I think in this scene I really like this scene I really think it's funny but it's like oh quite a few series of unfortunate events have led to this moment <laughs> yeah um, but as we see it is all it, some some of it is a little self-inflicted too yeah to be honest with you um, and this um, is the beginning of the second bit that they chopped out of this scene yeah which I actually thought that this was really funny uh uh, Jeremy says that he hoped Big Sue's doesn't go hasn't gone into the room. Uh, Mark asks Jeremy how Super Hands is doing. <laughs> Jeremy says that Hands is getting a little frothy, but he parcel taped him into the recovery position. <laughs> Do yeah, you know what the really recovery position? Well. Do you know what the recovery position it's, is? It's on your side, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's the way that you put drunk. It's the way that you're supposed to put drunk people to sleep. Yeah. So that if yeah. they throw up, they don't they throw don't up on themselves. Choke on their own vomit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they continue walking, and then Jeremy points out that they're going the wrong way, and Mark says they're not, and they have a they have a disagreement about which way is back. Yeah, Jeremy says they went up and then down, so they're going the wrong way. Um, this actually, this next is another little short deleted scene here, deleted scene number three. Um, Jeremy asks if this down could be on the other side of the up. And Mark is like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I, I um, completely identify with this because I've got no sense of direction. Like, I, I walk the wrong, wrong way coming out of shops in shopping centres, so I would have no chance here. But I think it's a case of that they both have quite bad senses of direction, and that's what's got them lost. I'm trying to think if we talked about this on air or if we talked about this off air, but when I was, like, 16, we went, my family went to England, and we were walking from Lower Slaughter to Upper Slaughter, and we completely went the wrong way, and we had this conversation with some random British gentlemen, Les and Earl, I think were their names. I do remember um, you telling and, me about it, but I can't remember if it was on air or not either. Yeah, I think it was off air, but um, 
we bumped into these old English gentlemen who were out for a nice, like, jaunty walk, and they were telling us, oh, you know, you're going the wrong way, you're going the wrong way, and um, they're like, no, you need to go up the downside or something <laughs> like that, so. Yeah, so um, this could have been you, thank God it wasn't night time. Yeah, but the problem is, is that Mark is too stubborn to listen to Jeremy, and he also wants to hurry back to the hotel because there's a bit of a thunderstorm rolling in. Uh, uh, yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy gets... is very upset because they haven't, they're lost and they haven't got any food at this point. Yep, and then Mark is like, we're not in the Matterhorn, <laughs> we're not on the Matterhorn, we're on the Quantox. Nobody dies in the Quantox. If they are very unlucky, they might have wandered onto the Exmoors. Jeremy has like this really fucking funny line where he's like, the Exmoors, the Baron Moors, the Moors murderers? We could easily <laughs> die in a moor. Give me your phone. Yeah, and... Um... It somehow the, the it's a linguistic uh, problem here for Jeremy that the use of the word more is more frightening than the use of the word quantox. So now he thinks they're definitely going to die. Um, at this point, Mark and Jeremy have a, a very funny argument about mountain rescue. Jeremy says he wants to phone mountain rescue. Mark says they shouldn't phone mountain, re mountain rescue because they're not on a mountain. And Jeremy says, oh, so they're going to leave me to die because I haven't got a geography degree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Mark is like, Oh, we're, I don't want to be two of those idiots you hear about who went up in the mountains and flip-flops and sombreros and need to be rescued. And Jeremy's just like, oh, so you want to be two of those idiots you heard about that died because they wouldn't call Mountain Rescue? Yeah, I believe that what uh, Mark is talking about there, I don't know if you call it that over there, but we call it an and finally story. So it's where, you know, they've done the proper news and then there's talk of uh, the some idiots. So it's like, and finally, two men were rescued with hypothermia from the top of the Quantox today after voyaging up there with no coats in the middle of the night. And it's, that's what Mark wants to avoid. Yeah, we have we have similar stories. Um, we have similar stories to that here. So, yeah, that's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. Um, this leads us into our fourth deleted scene where Mark starts talking about how the mountain rescue guys have lives and much better things to do than <laughs> rescue two idiots. They aren't just waiting around for people to call. To which I say... Yes, yes, Mark, yes, they, they are. are. That's, That's their literally whole job. what they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Jeremy wants to borrow Mark's phone so he can order a pizza. Mark, because he's hungry, Mark points out that this is stupid because they don't even know which hill they're on. This made me laugh because this is um, Jeremy's, this is what Jeremy wants to do when they get stuck in the nether zone in series seven as well. So clearly his uh, reaction to crisis is to order a pizza. Yeah. Um, oh, and when they get when they get uh, burgled, actually, he orders pizza, doesn't he? So yeah, clearly this is how Jeremy <laughs> deals with any kind of crisis. Yeah, uh, I didn't catch that, but yes, that is true. We'll we'll actually be talking about that in like six, seven weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, let's see here. So what's really strange after this is we get a scene where it's a long shot of Mark and Jeremy on the side of a hill, and. I don't know whose POV it's from, but for, apparently from what people have said that is that Armstrong and Bane said that the POV in this scene is a cow, even though I didn't see a single cow <laughs> no, in the background. No, I think, and... I think that that answer was probably just given because they didn't have an answer, but you're right. It's, um, there's no possible point of view here. It's from maybe from the point of view of God. He's the only one that could be looking down if it's not a cow. Yeah. Um, so now we're in deleted scene number five, and Jez and Mark continue walking while Jez keeps giving Mark the third degree about proposing to Sophie. 
Mark talks about how you stand on a 17 because nobody ever hits 20. Nobody ever gets a 21. Jeremy looks confused and he says that Mark is talking about settling and he doesn't think that's right. Mark says, leave romance for the romantics and that he is a real human and that if something happened to Sophie, he would puke or shit or shit and puke. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Jeremy makes a very valid point in this bit where he says that um, you're talking a lot about, you know, sticking locking down like maybe that's not the best way to be entering a marriage but mark's having none of it anyway yeah um at this point mark falls and he twists his ankle and jeremy tries to help him up um we get into deleted scene number six so i mean as you can see from just kind of what we're talking about there's a lot of smaller scenes that kind of as a whole like i actually really prefer the 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 YouTube version of this scene than the actual episode. Yeah, because I agree with you. It's, it's much more fleshed I out. I can see that they had to cut it down for clarity and time, but, you know, there's nothing wasted here. No, uh, I mean, literally, I probably would have cut out that scene with Jeremy and Suze out in the... where they're walking around the grounds. And... I honestly might have even cut out that scene with Mark and Sophie where they're arguing about where they go to eat dinner at. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, like you that you could have referred to that in a conversation rather than had that scene. Well, I think it's just, I mean, I think it's completely obvious. Like, so here's my edit. I'm going to put my editing hat on. You would have had, let's see, what was the scene before that? Um, yeah, so you would have had super hands doing the whole, like, I love crack, yeah. Then it would have gone to the hotel room with Jeremy and hands, where hands would have been tied up. And then it would have gone to the pub, where Mark and Sophie are having, like, a really awkward conversation. And so I think that it would have flowed. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it's, um, it's a shame yeah. there isn't more of this scene, because it's all very funny. Yeah, and then... Yeah, but I really, yes, I definitely enjoy the full version of the scene. I highly encourage people to watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I will link it at some yeah. point. Um, anyways, um, let me see. I lost So we're going into deleted here. scene six Oh, now. yeah. Yeah. So Mark twists his ankle, and he asks Jeremy if it's a sprain or a twist, which one is worse. Jeremy says, either way, you won't die. And this sets Mark off, who accuses him of talking too much about death. Jeremy says if he doesn't get food or water, he might die. Mark suggests to call the local Bobbies. That really um, made me laugh. Just to let him know that they're I out really there. I really enjoyed Mark's use of Bobbies there. Um, like they were in an Enid Blyton book. Um, it just made me laugh that he said Bobbies. Yeah. Um, and as Mark hands Jeremy his phone, he tells Jeremy, you can call the police, but you cannot ask for help. <laughs> like, you just can't ask for help. Just let them know we're here. We're not- yeah. Yeah, just let him know we're here. And so Jeremy's like, yes, yes, of course. And then as soon as he gets the phone from Mark, he's just like, ha, 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 I'm going to call and ask for help, and there's nothing you can do about it. But there's no reception, uh, so they can't, and Mark ends up laughing at him. Yeah, so Mark laughs at Jeremy, and he just says, ha, you can't get us rescued after all. Um, at this point, we get the part where Jeremy sits Mark down on a log, and he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to go up the hill to get reception, and... Mark just is like, no, no, that's okay. And Jeremy's like, no, no, I'll just, I'll just pop up, I'll just pop up the hill just real quick. You won't even know I'm gone. And Mark's just like, uh, no, 
because if you do, you're just going to leave me here to die. <laughs> and Jeremy's like, huh. So you would admit that one of us that must, or you will admit that one of us must die. Yeah, and it's um, and, and it's a very it's a very shrewd statement on Mark's part because yes, this is probably what Jeremy would do. No, it, it's he's one hundred percent correct yeah. here. Um, he apologized. So we get into deleted scene number seven. Mark apologizes for insinuating that Jeremy would let him die. He says he doesn't think Jeremy would do it on purpose, but that Jeremy would forget all about Mark. Um, he says that Jeremy would go back to the hotel room, wake up the next morning, realize that Mark is still missing, lead a search party, but then quickly give up looking for him. Yep. And then back into the, the scene that was aired, Mark reveals to Jeremy that he's got a dairy milk bar and says that they could ration it out one block every two hours to keep them going. And Jeremy just is like, you've wanted to do rationing on me since the first day we met. And Mark is, and Mark's like, no, but you need to be sensible. And Jeremy's just having none of it. Um, he he says, no, I want all of my bit now. And Mark says, well, okay, don't ask for any more. Um, but before he can even finish saying that, Jeremy's saying, go on, give me a bit more. Uh, Jeremy then says that he, this is deleted scene number eight. Jeremy sent. Jeremy then says he deserves one more because he had a spliff before they left and he has the munchies. And Mark is just like, ugh, ugh, <laughs> god damn it, Jeremy, why did you have to get high before you came out here? And then we get back into the actual scene, and Jeremy is like, oh, Mark, you're being so unfair. You know my nature, Mark. You knew this would happen as soon as you mentioned chocolate. You're using my nature against me, um, which I really Yeah, that I line. love that line. And as Jeremy and Mark are walking, Jeremy finds a frisbee that's been abandoned, and wonders what they could do with it, and says, oh, we could throw it at a bird, or we could use it to dig. And again, this reminded me of the Nether Zone episode as well, where he finds the bit in the cupboard, and is like, we could dig with the bit. And oh, yeah. uh, this is clearly, again, something Jeremy does in hard situations, is want to order a pizza, and then try to use random things as tools. Um, we get deleted scene number nine, where he also suggests they could just even play frisbee together to keep morale up. <laughs> and then he... And then he throws the frisbee right at Mark. It hits Mark in the shoulder and falls on the ground, and Mark just looks, like, completely disgusted. <laughs> Jeremy goes and picks up the frisbee and continues to follow Mark. And then back into the scene that aired, Jeremy is is really realising now that Mark's going to propose to Sophie, and he asks a few times if it's really what he wants to do. Have you considered not doing it? And Mark's like, well, the whole reason that I've saved up these three months of the mega deal is to propose to her. And Jeremy says, yeah, so after all that clipping... You're going to want something to show for it, like a wife. Um, but is it really a good idea? Yep, and we get another little quick deleted scene where Mark says, yes, it's a good idea. The only other woman that ever looked at me was Carol Banana Face. Yay, Carol um, Banana Face. She's mentioned again. I still want to know more about Carol Banana Face. Yeah. Um, we get back into the episode proper, and I actually just kind of wanted to insert this next scene. Um I really would lo have loved to insert this entire, like, Jeremy and Mark scene, but it was just way too long to put in. But it is very funny. Um, but I'm just going to insert this next little, like, two-minute part where it's kind of the culmination of Jeremy and Mark's conversations about mm -hmm. proposing to Sophie.
poor optimistic Mark. But I have to say, Jeremy is a very good friend to Mark in this whole whole scene because no matter how much of a dickhead Mark is being to Jeremy about this whole thing, Jeremy is singular minded um, in trying to help Mark realize like that he doesn't need to do this with Sophie. Maybe this is the beginning of his life coaching career. Maybe this is where he realizes that actually he's pretty good oh. at talking to people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I agree yeah, with this you. This is that, the beginning that, of his life coaching. I agree with you that Jeremy is—he's um, doing everything he can to help Mark reach the right decision on his own, rather than telling him what he should do. Yeah, I, I definitely like that. It's a very good—that's the best way to help somebody. Yeah, is to definitely. not just force feed it to him. Is to help him come to that realization on their own. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, they find a footpath, which excites Mark because it is a real. Uh, National Trust maintained right of way and they must be somewhere near somewhere because there wouldn't be a, a footpath if it was just the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And then uh, he he tells, you know, he says, okay, we just got to go up. And Jeremy's like, no, no, we got to keep going down. And Mark is like, no, no, my, my dumb friend. We have to go. We went down and then up. Or uh, we went up then down. So now we've got to go down then up and jeremy's just like but i think we've got to keep going down and mark just has this smug look and he's like well you're not gonna talk me out of this here take my fleece and here's a hidden twix (laughs) (laughs) yeah and jeremy's like normally i would relent but this time i know i'm right so they split ways um and go off in opposite directions yep and we get our final deleted scene where as they walk off jeremy just looks over his shoulder they wave at each other, and Jeremy just thinks to himself, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. So the next scene, then, is in the hotel bar, real... and it's clearly... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, real quick, on this scene, do you think this is the longest scene that we've had in Peep Show history, like, where they're on one set? Yeah, I think it must be. I can't think of any longer scenes in... Um, other than maybe I'd be interested to see... Spoiler alert the how long the scene is when they're in the balcony of the church in at the end of series four that's quite long but i bet it's not as long as this yeah definitely not as long as this um just as i like i said earlier i understand why they had to delete the parts out that they deleted but i really enjoyed the full scene with all the deleted bits left in it was really good yeah me too it's really funny and definitely worth watching we'll tweet that out mm-hmm. for people that haven't seen um it. yeah back at the ho- jeremy gets back to the hotel bar and big Suze is asleep on the couch and she's thankful to see jez um jez still by the way still has the frisbee in his hand yeah he um, does she tells Jeremy that she wants to go cuddle up somewhere soft and warm. And Jeremy has an idea and he's like, give me five minutes. And, um, she's like, yeah, that's fine. And as he walks off, he's like, wow, I'm so tired and hungry and cold that I bet she'll have a hard, a hell of a time coaxing a hard on out of me, but I bet she'll manage. <laughs> yeah. So he goes off to the hotel room and super hands is asleep as well. Looking very serene. And Jeremy wakes him up and says, um, would you like some drugs? And Superhan says he's over the hump, but yeah, of course, he loves some drugs. So Jeremy verifies that this is his decision as a grown-up man, which of course it isn't. But he says, you know, this is this is not me persuading you, is it? This is your decision. 
and he mm-hmm. um <laughs> he's doing everything he can to not feel guilty about this even though he definitely should feel guilty and he opens yeah. the french doors of the room and he's duct taped a bag of weed to the frisbee and he throws it out of the window and hands goes chasing off into the night saying drugs 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 which is brilliant this is a it's such a funny little little scene yeah yeah hands is just like drugs 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 <laughs> It reminded me of like an animal, like when you let a cat out and it goes chasing after a mouse at night or something like that. Like it's just really well done. One thing that I wanted to mention in this scene too was uh, Jeremy said that Superhands has been pissing and vomiting. Like that hotel room would have had to smell gnarly. Yeah, it wouldn't have. Yeah, that's true. Actually, it, it probably wouldn't have been the best place to to have sex, try and reconcile with Big Sue's. But then on the other hand, he was thinking of banging her behind a bush so i don't think jeremy's that bothered Good about point. the romantic atmosphere yeah. yeah yeah um the next morning we've got jez and big Sue's and they're eating breakfast and sophie walks in and jeremy's just like oh hey where's the markster yeah and sophie says that he didn't come back um she's been up all night she's really worried and then Mark, jeremy seems worried as well and, and they both sort of saying oh where could he be and then suddenly sophie notices that jeremy's wearing mark's mark's fleece and says is that mark's fleece and jeremy's first response is i didn't kill him i had the chance but <laughs> yeah, i didn't have yeah. the motive <laughs> yeah i had the opportunity but no motive um and here uh we find that uh mark has reappeared he's back and he doesn't look well, too well does he one- yeah one thing that i really liked in this scene is that as Sophie is talking, she sort of has this epiphany about that she should get married to Mark. Yeah, he's so sweet and nice, and, she, and I do all these stupid yeah. things, but he always looks out for me no matter what. Yeah, um, she she talk, She says she feels bad that she made him run out straight away to go find her, and um, now she's worried about the worst happening, and Mark is so lovely, and she's just... Con- and she is just going on and on about jute and fr- juice and fruit and how juice is just mashed up fruit. And really, before she can say any more, Mark walks in looking a hot mess. Yeah, and it doesn't help that um, he was wearing like a not quite a white suit, but like a like an oatmeal coloured suit, wasn't he? So he looks like absolute shit. He's got yeah. mud on him, and he's he's got mud on his face, and he just he looks very very dishevelled. Yeah. Um, Jeremy's just like, ha, I told you so. I bet you really wish you'd listen to me now. And that's just so Jeremy just to fucking rub something like that in when he can tell that, that Mark has obviously had the worst night of his life. And Jeremy's first thought is like, ha, I was right. And you were wrong. You were wrong. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Okay. And then I'm just going to go ahead and insert this whole next scene in here because this whole next scene is pretty funny
this scene, I feel so bad for Mark in this scene because yeah, this is this hearing is... about that night. It doesn't sound good, does it? I when just... he says he angered the crow. No. Yeah, he got he found a barn where he got something <laughs> sort of, I don't know, like sleep. Not sleep, but and yeah. then of course. And then, of course, to set it off, Sophie found the engagement ring and has accepted Mark's proposal, even though he didn't technically propose yep, to her. that's it. His life's ruined. Over. Yep. Yep. We get a smash cut to the next scene where the whole crew is standing around the bar drinking champagne and, and super hands, celebrating the and engagement. And Superhands leads the toast, which made me laugh. Yeah, and he just magically he just magically reappears again. Big Sue's not at all like wondering where the fuck Superhands came no, from. No, no, they're all accepting um, this. Uh, there must have been some sort of group debrief. Yeah, um, Jeremy Jeremy apologizes to Superhands about giving him drugs, and Superhands says normally he'd be really angry with Jeremy, but he's really high and just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. And Jeremy pulls Mark off to one side and just says, like, what the fuck happened? What What's going on? And Mark explains that Sophie found the ring. Um, so they're getting married. Yep. Jeremy points out that uh, or Mark says that Sophie found the ring and accepted the proposal. Jeremy rightfully points out that he hadn't asked yet. And Mark is like, well, there was a ring. And um, he says that Sophie has him in checkmate and there's no way out. And... Jeremy's like, well, there is a way out. You could have told Sophie how you really feel about her. Yeah, Mark just um, is like, rolls his eyes like, yeah, like that's going to happen. And he just says it's too embarrassing to not accept the acceptance. I really like this next part too, where he's like, oh, so you're going to get married out of embarrassment? And Mark's like, oh, I suppose there are worse reasons. <laughs> and Jeremy's just like, Jeremy the realist is like, oh, I suppose you could always get a divorce. And Mark's like, oh, I'm not the divorcing type. Jeremy says, so you're just going to stay married to this woman for the rest of your life out of embarrassment. <laughs> and then, of course, Mark, one of my favorite lines in the entire series. Yes. And look, I'd be grateful if for the rest of my life you never mention it again, okay? <laughs> and Jeremy's just like, fair enough. To the happy couple. <laughs> I um, I think I've mentioned this. I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I know I've mentioned it to you, but I was engaged before I met my husband, or while I met my husband. And... Uh, we were meant to be getting married imminently, like within the next few months. And I realised I didn't, I didn't really want to marry him to start with. But I'd met my husband, and I knew I didn't definitely didn't want to marry him. And uh, we got a bit drunk in the pub, me and my now husband, and we're talking about it. And I said, you know, I'm in a, I'm sort of in a in a bit of a corner because I've agreed to marry this guy. Uh, and my husband said, you don't want to marry him, do you? And I was like, well, no, I don't, but what are you going to do? And my husband said, so you're just going to marry him out of embarrassment like Mark did. <laughs> that was, uh, so that was how my marriage started right there. <laughs> Holy shit. Peep show saved you from a It did. It saved me. A, it made me realize how marriage. ridiculous it was to marry this guy. So I went home and gave him the ring back and said, sorry, not going to do that. And, uh, and it was all thanks to Peep show. Kind of. Wow, that's a that's an incredible story. It's a heavy story, yeah. But um, but Mark doesn't do no, that. No, I mean it, it is it is heavy, but it, it is heavy, but it's incredible at the same time too that you know this random throwaway line from a random episode of Peep Show like changed the whole changed trajectory the whole course of, your of life. my life. Yeah, but Mark isn't sensible enough to do that. Maybe because he hadn't had 
him in Peep Show to guide the way. So he doesn't stop this. He just toasts along with Jeremy to the happy couple. And he thinks that not loving her puts him in a weird position of power. So in a way, I win. And that's the end of the episode and the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, I really like this episode a whole bunch. Um, I really enjoyed the hill scene, especially um, because you really get to see the dynamics of Jeremy and Mark. Um, Mark's continual shitting on Jeremy's directions just show what a, a stubborn douche he can really be. Um <laughs> And Jeremy just proves that despite the fact that he does things like friendly poisonings and stuff like that, that he really is a good friend to Mark when it counts. Yeah, he definitely, I agree with you, this is a really funny episode, but you really get to see the the nuts and bolts of their characters here. So you get to see, yeah, that Mark maybe isn't such a great person in a lot of ways, and actually that Jeremy's got better qualities than, than we think he has um, on the surface. Um, you know, this, this whole, this whole episode is basically like the entire catalyst of series four, which series four kind of deals with the fallout of their proposal, um, as well as the wedding itself. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to get into series four. Me too. I'm wondering, I've, I had a question for you as someone who watched it kind of obviously in the Netflix model all in one go, if it was as shocking to you when they that when you roll into series four again spoilers but i know that most people listening to this would have watched it um as you roll into series four and it's like oh my god they are about to get married i i was so surprised having waited a year i thought there would have been some way in the intervening time period that mark would have wriggled out of this did you expect them to get married at the end of this episode uh that's a good question um I I did expect them to get married, but I also did anticipate kind of what ended up happening. So it didn't shock me that they mm-hmm. got married um, or that their engagement stayed on. Um, but yeah, I guess I really I guess I really don't know what to how to answer that question because I kind of binged through yeah. everything and I really didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Yeah. It's harder because you don't have that time to think about it. But, I mean, Series 4, is I can't wait to talk about it because it's one of my favourite series. And it kind of all happens in this microcosm of the run-up to their wedding. So it's a bit it's a bit tighter. It's on a sort of shorter time frame than some of the other series. Um, but it's I was I was surprised. And I'll talk more about that next... next not next week. We're going to talk about that next week. But when we next talk about Peep Show, I was very surprised going into Series 4 to see that the engagement had stopped. I was looking at the list of episodes for... The list of episodes for Series 4. And I know that I said Series 3 had some of the best, like, three-episode... Three, four-episode runs. Uh, series 4 really gives Series 3 a strong run. Uh, when I looked at the episodes that are in Series 4, I was like... I didn't realize that was a series four episode. So I'm really excited to get through series four. Yeah, I remember enjoying it a lot. Yeah, so yeah. I'm looking forward to that too. Um Peep Show Peep Show Culinary. Bit of yeah. a tough one yeah. this week. Um Donnie think again, Donnie, thank you for your wonderful contribution to Peep Show Culinary. I know that you're a little far from the hurricane, but please stay safe during Hurricane Irma. It is coming close to his neck of the woods so um yeah stay safe well hope yeah 
keep, yeah. keep, keep safe. I actually extended yeah. the invitation of a couch to him, and he laughed and told me it was fine. Um, he probably doesn't want me to, like, drug him in his sleep <laughs> and kill him. Not that I would do that. Um, <laughs> you've got, you've yeah, got, the, got the opportunity, but no motive. Right, right. Um, so yeah, so we were bound to hit our first episode of Peep Show, uncharacteristically sparse in its featuring of edibles, and here we are. So without hesitation, oh, so with great hesitation to include yogurt cocks, the following are your food options for quantocking. The sliced dinner bread sitting on the table during Mark and Sophie's not featured in Nameless Dinner, the bar nuts on the side when Mark is having whiskey, the assorted fruits and croissants Jez and Sue's have for breakfast, and of course, a segment, a seven- segment bar of dairy milk with a secret twix um you can have a suck on the old sauce spot if you like we're scraping the barrel here so do ration in throughout the episode to keep yourself sustained and then pour yourself a glass of champagne for the closing scene to toast to the happy couple okay so um author's note he said that he could have mentioned the toasted sandwiches that mark talks of when he realizes he doesn't have to marry sophie but toasted sandwiches are so satisfying that it wouldn't have made sense for to do for him to do rationing to the listeners and he's been waiting for an opportunity to do rationing on them <laughs> all series. Yes. Thank you, Donnie, for the wonderful <laughs> peep show culinary. We appreciate it. Um Yeah. Thank in the next much. part of my notes I had put to talk about the original version of this episode, but I realized that I had actually mentioned that twice. Yeah. We talked about that um, already. I do want to say yeah. I really have hopes that one day we'll do a recording of this episode like I talked about months ago um, where we were going to act it out and everything. Yeah, I think that would be I, I great. Think, yeah, yeah. yeah day, I think I it'll be great. It. The reason that we really haven't mentioned it or talked about it is just because from a logistical standpoint, it's going to be a fucking nightmare. And I really just don't have the time to commit to that nightmare right now. It will happen. Trust me. No, maybe when there's some sort of holiday across the nations that yeah, yeah. we'll get it together. it'll happen trust me um but yeah as of right now <laughs> yeah i just can't commit to it so it'll happen though um if you're really interested in reading the script mm -hmm. you can read it in the very fantastic peep show scripts and more book that's out um i don't know if i've said this on air but i have this book it's excellent it's a great resource tool and i can't recommend it enough yeah so it is a great book i don't know where you could buy it from now because I bought mine from HMV in 2008, uh, but I think it's on used and new in Amazon, so worth getting a cheap copy there. Yep, I bought it on Amazon because that was the only place that I could find it. Yeah. Um, um, we are 25% of the way now to Hands to 5K. We're making good progress. Um, we had a retweet from uh, David Mitchell himself this week, which has helped our numbers. Uh, so we thank everybody that is um, help is, is helping us out by following us and by interacting. And I had so much interaction from people on the back tweet along this week. So thank you very much to everyone that's found the podcast through that. Yeah. Um, again, just as always, uh, we are working towards getting Matt King on the show. Um, if you have time and you want to spend some money, again, Superhands' website is superhandsgear.com um great stuff available on there again we still have the survey yeah. up on the website we have had some really fun feedback on there there was somebody who left a mention about a wrestling podcast that i listened to i don't know if that was intentional or not or if you just 
threw it out there at random, but Keep It 2000 is a great podcast. So whoever, if you're listening to that, I appreciate oh, that cool. bit of feedback. Um, um, and I just wanted to mention that on Tuesday night, I am going to um, an audience with Robert Webb, who is going to be talking to Victoria Corran Mitchell at the Think Academy in Westminster. I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be a great night. Um, and I am going to do my best to um, get my book signed and get a signed book for you from oh, Robert Webb thank and send you a business card. So I will, I will let you know how that goes uh, next week. But if it's interesting, which I'm sure it will be, I might try and record a little bit for the end of next week's podcast, just talking about that um, audience with Robert Webb and Victoria Corrin Mitchell on Tuesday. Yeah, night. oh, that'd be that'd be amazing. Are you going to try to slip him one of the the cards too? I am going to try and slip in one of the cards. I've decided death or glory. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just going to be bold and just be like, hey, summer book, and also here's a business card. <laughs> um. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on my own, so there's gonna be no one to be embarrassed in front of. So I'm just gonna fucking yeah, go for fuck it, it. go for it, you'll be fine. Um, yeah. And yeah, then, yeah. as we've mentioned a couple times here, next week's episode is gonna be really different from what we normally do. Um, next week's episode, we are going to be covering episodes one and two of Back. It'll be our first Backcast episode that we have. Um. So. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that a lot. So um, I mentioned already the tweet along, um, but if you've got any thoughts at all about back, then please get in touch with us either via Twitter or via the email address or the um, Facebook, page. Facebook page because we'd be really interested to hear other people's thoughts. Yeah. Um, your friend Kat already posted some some thoughts on the first episode of back. So that'll be fun. She did. Um, thanks for that, cat. And she is. Uh, she's got a lot of great opinions about all these shows that I love. So thank you to Catherine. I don't know if she's listening because she said podcasts. She'd she, the way she put it was that she would rather. Um, she would rather read a transcript of two people talking than listen to two people talking because audio books irritate her. But she said she was going to give it a go. So. I might tell her that she's been mentioned on this one. It might give her an interesting. It really cracked me. It really cracked me up when she talked about how jarring our voices sound next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that it's going to make our accents sound like super, super accents next <laughs> to each other. Um, well, anyways, we need to. I need to. Uh, we're recording this podcast Sunday morning, which is not something we've done before, and I unfortunately do have to get to work. So we are going to be kind of wrapping it up here in just a second um as i said earlier in the show i do have just like a little 15 16 minute conversation about bojack horseman it is going to be heavily filled with spoilers so if you do not want season four spoiled for you don't listen to it um if you want to just hear me rambling on and on just talked for like 15 minutes about my thoughts on it so if you want to give that a listen cool if not you can just tell me to fuck off so <laughs> <laughs> anyways cool. with right, that then. this is the l dude brothers signing off eh, eh, goodbye bye i am in loco parentis i am the last remaining contestant of the apprentice i am the home trained dentist ay 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 
Hey guys, this is something probably a little bit different than what we normally do, or what I normally do, but I just finished watching BoJack Horseman Season 4, and I just wanted to talk really quickly about it because, oh my god, it was so good. If you haven't watched the show, it's so incredibly good. So I'm going to give you about five seconds to make the choice if you want to listen to the rest of the spoilers, or if you want to, you know, go and watch it. Okay, so anybody that's here, yeah, season four, what can I say? Um, I just want to kind of briefly kind of discuss each episode and um, just kind of go from there. Uh, episode number one, I thought was okay for number one. It kind of showed where the season was going to be going with Mr. Peanut Butter's governor run. And you see Diane and she's just, you know, trying to get in contact with Bojack because obviously at the end of... Uh, season three, Bojack had gone to Arizona to go run with the horses. Um, you see everybody's lives just kind of getting on without Bojack. And I thought that was really cool. Just kind of seeing what everybody's up to. Um, in the second episode, we get to kind of see what Bojack has been up to since he's been missing. He went and he bought his mom's old, I don't know, summer home up in Michigan, I guess. And, uh, he initially is just not really going to do anything with it. He's kind of living in squalor. Oh, the, you get these kind of flashbacks where you see young Beatrice as a young lady and kind of how she grew up and kind of some of the first inklings at what happened with her life. Um, Bojack kind of ends up, you know, kind of finding some peace at the house and he decides to head back to Los Angeles. Um, the episode after that is we get kind of a lot of Todd, we get a Todd related episode, which I really liked because Todd is a great character and a lot of this uh, episode is kind of him coming to grips with his asexuality, which is kind of a common story throughout this, um, throughout the season. And yeah, we also get to meet, uh, Courtney Portnoy, she was the season's kind of, you know, whatever Princess Carolyn needed to do story. Um, Princess Carolyn kind of arranges a sham marriage with Todd and Courtney, and, uh, or not a sham marriage, excuse me, a sham date, so that Courtney can seem more regular. Also during this point, Todd accidentally becomes a model, and throughout the rest of the series you'll see uh, people in like a red hoodie with the yellow hat. It's really, really funny. Um, the episode after that, there's this weird thing where Mr. Peanut Butter ends up becoming a pro fracking government, government can his, he ends up taking a pro fracking position in the governor's race. And basically he is challenged to, um, you know, set up fracking wells in his own front yard um, by Diane, who's very anti-fracking, and uh, Mr. Peanut Butter takes her up on that challenge, and he ends up, like, just getting some fracking mines, and then you kind of see, like, the water catching on fire and all the horrible, horrible shit that happens when you frack. Um, also, there is a really funny uh, subplot where Princess Carolyn is trying to get pregnant by her boyfriend Ralph, who is a mouse, and 
we get to see the albino rhino gyno from season three. And he gives her a watch that tells her when she's ovulating, and it's voiced by Harvey Feinstein. Also, at the end of this episode, um, Todd is basically chloroformed <laughs> by a character that we have just met, and we find out that her name is Hollyhock. And she asks Todd, you know, where's Bojack? And so Todd takes her to Bojack's house to get DNA, and it turns out that Bojack is actually there, but nobody knows that he's back yet. Um... So, in the next episode, Thoughts and Prayers, which I felt like was the weakest of the entire series, um, Courtney Portnoy, who is, like I said, Princess Carolyn's client, has done, like, a movie-type deal where it's like a shooter, and there keeps being these mass shootings and scenes that are very similar to the movie, so they have to keep editing the movie out and editing the movie down and editing the movie down until finally the entire movie is, like, 30 seconds, um... Also, um, Hollyhock wants to meet Bojack's mom, so Hollyhock and Bojack go to the old folks' home that Beatrice is staying at, and just through kind of stuff happening, Beatrice ends up heading home with them. Um, Diane is given a gun, <laughs> and uh, she just really likes the way that the gun is gun feels in her hand and she writes on the blog website she works for about you know how awesome guns are and guns end up it, it becomes like a very almost like nra advertisement where all the women are carrying around guns because they're afraid of men and yeah it's like i said it's kind of the weakest episode of the entire series for me it was still still decent but um but holy shit episode six which is called stupid piece of shit i really felt like this was where this the season really like picked up into high gear. Um, during the opening sequence of Bojack, where it shows him drinking and waking up and everything, one thing that I really liked was that the first couple episodes, his house is trashed. Um, the next couple episodes after that, um, his house is normal, but he's still the only person there. And then starting with Thoughts and Prayers, which is the last episode, you see Holly Hawk in the background. Um, Hollyhock is in the background of this one, and then you just kind of see Bojack's house getting more and more alive, um, kind of as it goes on. But stupid piece of shit was an incredibly powerful episode, and I thought a very like interesting look at depression and anxiety, um, almost in kind of a peep show esque fashion. We get to hear all of Bojack's inner monologues throughout the episode, and it really just kind of boils down to him. Um, you know, uh, it really just kind of boils down to him telling himself over and over that he's a stupid piece of shit and he continues to make bad decisions that he knows are bad decisions, but really just because, you know, it's the only thing that he, um, can do the whole interior or internal monologues are done in kind of like a, uh, a chalk almost is really weird, but cool. I liked it. Um, Princess Carolyn also hooks up with Ruta Vega Rabotowitz to help Courtney, Portney, and Todd um, step up their fake wedding. Um, episode number seven, I thought was really weird. It was a really strange episode, and I have kind of some thoughts on how it could have been better. But basically, in episode number seven, uh, Mr. Peanut Butter is doing a fundraiser for his run for governor and he invites all these celebrities over to his house 
um, as a result of fracking, his entire house collapsed underground. And it almost turns into that Seth Rogen movie um, where they're all trapped in the house because it's the apocalypse, but they actually are using their real names. Um, this is the end, I think is what it's called, where all these celebrities like turn on each other. Like Jessica Biel becomes like fucking crazy and she's trying to like light people on fire. Um, somehow Todd and Princess Carolyn get out of the house and they um, they meet these ants and they broker a deal with ants and then the ants want to get the house out of the ground. So they lift the house out of the ground and everything goes back to normal, but they're trapped underground for like 10 days and like crazy shit happens. And this episode just kind of ends with, um, with, uh, Mr. Peanut Butter deciding he doesn't really want to run for governor and that he kind of likes, um, governor, uh, governor Woodchuck, Kuchuk Berkowitz. Um, episode eight was called judge. This was another episode that I felt was just kind of like, eh, um, Bojack has thrown his mom's Beatrice's doll off of the deck and as he throws it off the deck it lands in Felicity Huffman's yard and he ends up deciding to go um, get it back from Felicity and Felicity gets very upset with him talking about how in the time that she's lived there like he's always flung shit on her house and she said one time there was a, a mountain of a fucking uh, um cotton candy because as we remember in the first episode he barfs up like a mountain of cotton candy um bojack kind of goes on her reality show and it's it's really weird but the kind of the main plot of this episode is holly hawk is dating a guy and bojack is trying to tell her like you know this guy's like just using you he's just using you and then bojack tries to convince the guy to uh, or you know is, is ready to convince himself that this guy is actually good and then he does some really scummy shit. Um, also, in this episode, Princess Carolyn finds out that she's pregnant with Ralph's child. And they go to meet Ralph, her boyfriend's family. And as mice, her his family is, like, very anti-cat. And so there's very funny scenes where, you know, the whole cat and mouse thing happen. Um, the episode after this one, Ruthie, was a real gut punch. Um, it basically starts with a in the future and there's a young cat who looks somewhat like Princess Carolyn telling the story about her, you know, her family um, talking about a day in the life of Princess Carolyn and Bojack. And there's a whole bunch of, of stuff that happens. And um, Princess Carolyn in this episode, she miscarries and it's very, very fucking sad. And like, it, it's kind of a gut punch and, um, she also finds out that Judah, her assistant, um, from season three had kind of lied to her. Um, she just kind of sort of has this meltdown with, um, with Ralph and they end up breaking up. Um, she's asleep at her apartment and Bojack calls and they start talking about how they handle having bad days. And Princess Carolyn says that she just likes to imagine that her daughter is alive in the future. So basically implying that like all the stuff with her daughter that you see is just basically Princess Carolyn trying to have a happy life and is very, very fucking sad. Um, the next episode is kind of the next the 10, 11 and 12 in typical Bojack fashion are like very intertwined with each other. Um, 
I'm trying not to go too long on this, so I'll try to um, keep this short. Basically, we find out that Governor Kuchuk Woodchuk wins governor so that's all been taken care of um yeah hollyhock at the start of this is playing uno and she starts to kind of like i don't know almost kind of swirl and sway and stuff like that and she ends up like passing out in the bathroom um and bojack finds her we find out from her father's that she basically had become hooked on amphetamine and they blamed bojack for that you find out that Beatrice had actually been spiking um, Hollyhock's coffee with amphetamines, like a weight loss drug, because she thought that Hollyhock was too fat. And Bojack discovers this, and he just decides to take Beatrice, and he takes her to, like, the shittiest nursing home he can find. And the entire show, Beatrice does not really remember Bojack because, you know, she's got Alzheimer's and she's just crazy and she doesn't really remember Bojack. Um... As Bojack is getting ready to leave, she very lucidly just says, Bojack, is that you? Which directly leads um, right into the the next episode, episode 11. Um, as anybody is familiar with, as far as Bojack goes, episode 11s are always the gut punch, and this one was um, no different. Um, we find out that Beatrice's dad, because the whole episode is essentially a flashback. Um, we find out that Beatrice's dad who's played by Matthew Broderick, he basically is only there to basically, like, belittle her. He tells her that she's fat. He, you know, tells her that she's, you know, she should be seen and not heard, and she grows up to be a very smart woman, but he is very old-fashioned. Um, Beatrice ends up meeting Butterscotch Horseman and um, having kind of a one-night stand with him. She ends up pregnant. She leaves the Sugarman Farms to go out to California to move in with Butterscotch, um, you know, we find out that Butterscotch Horseman, Bojack's father, had um, worked at a cannery where he was trying to become kind of a beat artist. Um, Beatrice just finally has had enough of being poor and convinces Butterscotch to take a six-figure job at her dad's um, building. And Beatrice is really happy about this because it starts to let her live the very wealthy life that, um, you know, she's accustomed to. And we see just kind of through jump cuts and jump cuts that as their wealth grew, their marriage became completely despondent to the point where Butterscotch Horseman ended up knocking up their maid, Henrietta, and he begs Beatrice to talk to Henrietta and tell her to get an abortion. Um, Beatrice tries to talk Henrietta into getting an abortion, but uh, Henrietta basically just, she wants the horsemen to pay for her nursing school and she'll give the baby up for adoption. Um, the way that this next scene was cut was just incredible, and the music was fucking amazing. But you find out that Hollyhock and Bojack, that Bojack is not Hollyhock's father. He is her half-brother. And that is why he doesn't, can't, you know, can't find anybody who had given her up. Um... The next, the last episode, I'll just kind of talk about Bojack's story because that was where it was was really good. Um, Hollyhock has eight fathers who are in a like polyamorous, same-sex committed relationship or something like that. And Bojack 
is able to kind of figure out that Hollyhock is actually his half-sister and not his daughter. Um, and he's able to finally find Henrietta's phone number. And the show ends with Bojack finally getting back into contact with Hollyhock. And, you know, the one thing that she tells him is she says, Bojack, I don't need another father, but what I have needed is a brother. And the music and the smile on Bojack's face is fucking incredible. So I love Bojack Horseman's season four. Probably been my favorite. Um, Yeah, watch it. Thanks.